All right. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? Good to see you. Welcome, everyone on social media. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Acts 1038. And of course, we're conducting a series on uh, Jesus Healing Crusade, Jesus Healing Crusade. And for the last many weeks, we've been uh, looking at the the uh, healings and miracles that Jesus did in his ministry. And we're using for our main text, Acts 1038, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And so I've said much to you about that verse over the last many weeks. Uh, and and uh, what I do want to review again, though, with you is in Luke, the sixth chapter. I think this this uh, is important to go over and over again. Luke, the sixth chapter and the, the 17th verse 17 through 19, said that Jesus came down with them and stood in a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear and be healed. And that's so important that we review that because, you know, a lot of times folks want to just come to be healed by the Lord, but it's important that first part is really the most important part. They came to hear and be healed. And then, of course, verse 18 says, uh, as well as those uh, who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. And it's, it's important, this hearing part is important because again and again, as we look at the, the healing uh, ministry of Jesus, uh, attention is called to the people's faith. You know, Jesus would say, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. And uh, we understand that it's the power of God that heals somebody, but it's, it's uh, their faith, it's our faith that taps that healing power. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, uh, that's why hearing is so important. The people came to hear Jesus and as they heard him speak, they were hearing the word of God. So their faith, you know, would be being built and then their faith then would tap into the healing power. Do you see the process there? So it's not enough just to come to be healed. One has to come to hear. When they hear the word, then their faith is built. And then it's that faith that taps in to the healing power of God. And then that power affects a healing and a cure in people's bodies. So having said that, let us, because I've talked about that ver those verses before, but it's just, uh, you know, it's good to review. Uh, you know, it's important that we don't drop our shields. It's important that we don't drop our shields. What do you mean drop your shield? Well, the Bible talks about the shield of faith, the shield of faith. And it's important that we keep our shield of faith up. Uh, you know, I, I've heard people say over the years, they, they, I mean, people who have been, been ill and they, you know, it, it, it looks like they're not being healed by the Lord. You know, it looks like they're not receiving their healing. And they've, they've made the statement, well, this healing, uh, this healing business doesn't, doesn't work for me and so on and so forth. But what they fail to realize a lot of times, now I'm talking about people now who have, who are sick. I mean, they're, they're, they're really sick and ill. And, uh, and they've been believing God. They've been trusting God. 
Okay, let me make myself clear. But, but they, it seems like they've never gotten over the line, if you will, to get that full manifestation of the healing. And they'll, they'll say, well, it looks like, you know, this, this healing just doesn't really work as the Bible says. And, but what most people don't realize a lot of times is that if it wasn't for the healing power of God, they'd be dead already. Did you get what I just said? If it wasn't for the healing power of God, they'd be dead already. Did you understand that? I want to make that clear. You know, people, ill ill people, sick, you know, seriously ill, and they're trusting, believing God, but it, it seems like they haven't got that full manifestation. And, 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 and I've heard people say, well, it just doesn't look like the healing power of God is really working as it should. I just can't get over that line, so to speak, and be healed, you know, completely. But what those people don't realize, I want to say it again, is that if it wasn't for the healing power of God, they'd already be dead. And in heaven, of course, because, you know, they, they're believers. But uh, so and I've already seen people over the years that get they get disgusted or discouraged. Or let me just put it this way. Uh, they, they stop fighting. You know, the Bible says that the faith that faith is it's a fight of faith. Right. Didn't the Apostle Paul say I've, uh, that, that faith is a fight? It's a good fight. The good fight of faith. And I've watched people already. They just get tired. You know, if you want to walk in healing and health, you've got to be a fighter. You've got to be a fighter. And if sickness hits your body, you know, you've got to be a fighter. People that aren't fighters, you know, they tend to tend to to to, to not make it make it through the sickness and disease. But you've got to be a fighter. But I've watched people over the years who 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 they, they fought and they did fight, but they just didn't seem to get the victory. And they say, well, this this healing's not really working as it should. And guess what they do? They drop and they don't realize if it wasn't for the healing power of God, they'd already be dead. But they get tired and they stop fighting. And when you stop fighting, guess what happens? You let your shield of faith down. And then I've watched those people. They just go downhill and, and, they, and they die. Just just they just just. No, because see, it's that healing power. God is the only thing keeping them going, you know. So I tell you what, let's don't let our shields of faith down. What do you say? Let's keep our shields of faith up. Let's keep hearing the word of God, the, the, the most important thing. And then let our faith be built. Keep the shield of faith up and then we can receive from God and, and tap the power of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and be healed. And and there'll be much to rejoice about. Now, let's go to Luke, the fifth chapter. Let's go to Luke, the fifth chapter. We'll just pick right up here in Luke, the fifth chapter. Remember last week we were talking about the maniac of Gadara. How many remembers that? And we talked about, about, about demons and so on and so forth. I hope that didn't freak anybody out. But you need to realize demons are real and the devil's real. But thank God Jesus defeated them. And, and I did want to say this last week. We were talking about, remember that movie, The Exorcist? Remember that? And I advised you never to watch that. But... I think I wanted to say this last week and, and it slipped past me, but that 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 exorcist was based on a true story that happened right here in St. Louis back in, I guess, 1949, 1950, whatever it was at the Election Brothers Hospital. And, and what I wanted to tell you last week is and it just slipped by me is uh, uh, is as years went on, uh, there was a man that attended actually two men that, that one still attends here. Another fellow attended years ago. Uh, now, the one the one fella, Brother Gary, back over here, he used to be a security guard down there at, at that hospital. And they told him, don't go near that. Don't go near that unit. Don't go near that wing. Don't go near that section. Is that correct? Hey, they said they said, don't 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 go around it. 
And, uh, and, and then, but the other guy that attended here years ago, he told me, he said, now he had closer access to that wing than, than what uh, Gary did. And he, cause he did, he did a different job there. And, uh, and that hospital, that wing of that hospital, I believe, has since been torn down, demolished. But he said, he said, Pastor Terry, he said, whenever I'd get near the, the wing of that, where that where that thing took place, you know, with there was a little boy, you know, he said, he said, man, he said, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. He said, it just I got the most ominous feeling. And he said, I'd get, he said, I'd get off that floor as fast as I could. So you see, these things are real, aren't they? They're, they're very real. You know, uh, the, the devil is real. Did you know there's some churches that won't call the devil's name? Did you know that they won't call his name? You know what they call him? They call him the enemy. They don't want to say the word Satan or devil because they don't want to, you know, freak anybody out. But I tell you what, you need to understand your enemy if you're going to defeat him. Is that right? Is that correct? And so so Satan is real. Demons are real. But Jesus is just as real and more real. Glory to God. And and Jesus defeated Satan and his his cohorts. And uh, he gave us Jesus gave us the victory over him over them in his name. Is that right? Anyway, I just wanted to get that in there uh, uh, about that that story I told you last week. But now here in Luke, the fifth chapter, let's go on with Jesus's healings and so on and so forth. Luke, the fifth chapter. And verse 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. Now, here it is again. What was Jesus doing? He was teaching. Remember, his ministry was threefold. Essentially, he, he went about what? Teaching, preaching and healing. Remember, we we told you that that was another verse we looked up. He went about teaching, preaching and healing. So you could say two thirds of his ministry was teaching and preaching, you know. And uh, remember, you preach to the sinner and you teach to the to the saved person. But be that as it may, he's teaching. See, he's putting preeminence on the word of God. And there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Now, notice Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. And many of these Pharisees and teachers, they weren't, I mean, they, they weren't the best people in the world, were they? They, they? they were, Jesus called them snakes at one point, didn't he? Some of them, now there were a few of them that were okay, like Nicodemus and whatnot, but, uh, but most of them weren't. They were religious uh, hypocrites. But anyway, there are Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And notice this, the power, see there's that word again, the power. That's a, that's a Greek word, dunamis. Uh, we get our English word dynamite, spiritual dynamite, if you will. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, it's interesting. The power of the Lord was not just present to heal the good guys, but the power of the Lord was present to heal the what we consider the bad guys also. Doesn't the Bible say that, didn't Jesus say that the Heavenly Father causes it to rain on the just and on the unjust? Yeah. So the power, God's a good God. He's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times people think they have to be goody two shoes for God to heal them. No, God's a good God. He'll heal you. And if you're not a goody two shoes, let the Lord heal you and then get saved and become a goody two shoes. Amen. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? But, uh, uh, but the power of the Lord was present to heal, was present to heal. And, uh, uh, and, and God's no respecter of persons. He'll heal anybody that'll tap into his power. And then behold, watch this, men brought. Now notice this, men brought, men brought, men brought. 
And, and they brought on a bed, they brought to Jesus on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Now, again and again, you see this in the Bible, that people were bringing the sick to Jesus. Jesus's healing ministry would not have been what it was without these unsung heroes, if you will, bringing the sick bringing the sick. And I've said it before, it'll bear itself out here today, that uh, one way to measure how much faith you have is, are you bringing people to Jesus? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you uh, getting the gospel message through to people? Are you handing tracts out, you know, wherever you go? Are you, you being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you bringing the sick to where the healing power of God is. See, if you're not doing that, then your faith, I say, I'd say, is at a very low level, you see. But people that have great faith are going to be doing whatever they can to get people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they sought to bring in and lay before the Lord. In verse 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now you talk about people that are willing to do whatever it takes to get the sick to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you need to realize we're going to see that this man was healed, but this man would have never got healed ever, okay, as far as I can see, if it hadn't have been for these men bringing him on that bed. You need to realize that. You got to realize that, that, that if these guys hadn't have brought this paralyzed guy to Jesus, the paralyzed guy would have never got healed. He would have never got healed. And see, it's so it, it's like a football team. A lot of times, you know, where's all the focus on a football team? The focus is right on there on that quarterback. Is that right? That quarterback. Doesn't he get the main focus a lot of times in a football team? It's a quarterback. But where would the quarterback be if it wasn't for, you know, all, all the blockers, you know? A lot of times those blockers, they're unsung. They don't get all the credit. It's all the quarterback gets the credit, you see. But it's that whole team working together. Well, a lot of times in this story, we focus all of our attention on this paralytic who got healed. But you have to realize he would have never got healed if it hadn't have been those four, those four, uh, those four friends of his that brought him to Jesus. You have to realize that. He'd have never been healed if it hadn't been for those, those friends that brought him. And again and again, you see this, where they brought to Jesus, they brought to Jesus, they brought to Jesus. Think about it. Multitudes of people would have never got healed if it hadn't been for the they broughters, okay? So let's, let's all be they broughters. What do you say? Let's all be they broughters, okay? And uh, so they brought to him, and, and, and they, they did whatever they could. To get this guy, they went to, to Jesus. They went up on the housetop, let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So they had to tear the roof off, didn't they? They had to tear the roof off. Now they probably certainly didn't have roofs back there then, like what we had here have here. You know, probably a little easier back there then to tear the roof off. But I think these guys would have tried to tear this roof off. That's how committed they were. They were going to get this guy, this paralyzed guy to Jesus no matter what. I mean, think about what they did. They tore the roof off of the house, okay, and they lowered the man down in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, that is something that we ought to think about. They went not only the extra mile, they went about 12, 
12 extra miles, didn't they, to get this guy to Jesus. Now let's read Mark's account of it. Mark 2, let's re- that was Luke's account. Let's read Mark's account of it. Let's read his account. Mark 2, verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. And, and again, you know, he was teaching. We, we saw that in Luke's account. Immediately, see, and people came to hear the word. The power of God was present to heal them. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And here it is. And he preached the word to them. See, he preached the word to them. He's teaching the word. He's preaching the word. They came to hear and be healed. The power of God's present. Then they came to him bringing, there it is again, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broke, now watch this, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. I just think this is one of the coolest things that ever happened in Jesus's ministry right here. Is, is just think about, I mean, think about your, he's there teaching and preaching the word of God. And all of a sudden, you know, there's some, some stuff going on. You look up there and the roof comes off, the roof comes apart. And here comes the guy getting lowered down. Think about that. Think about that sometime. I think that's pretty, pretty awesome, don't you? I, I think, I think that's pretty awesome. And they let, and so when he had broke, when they'd broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Then notice verse five. This is what you want to really center in on here. When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, you see, you see, faith is uh, faith is an action. You see, faith is an action. I mean, we hear the word of God, we believe it. But then but then how do we release the faith? We release it through what words and actions. And so these people, these, these, these friends of this paralytic, they had heard of Jesus, no doubt. They heard the word, they believed it, they, were, they had faith, but it didn't stop. Their faith, remember, has to be released for it to do you any good. And so how did they release their faith? They, they took the guy. I mean, think about what they had to go through to get this paralytic. Have you ever tried to move somebody on a stretcher? That's not the easiest thing in the world. Have you ever tried to take somebody up on a roof in a stretcher? Huh? Have you ever tried to do that? And think about that. Take him up on the roof on the stretcher and then tear the roof off. And then they had to lower him down. I mean, you know, think about what they had. They had to imp- probably improvise and get some ropes to tie on the four corners of that stretcher. I mean, he, these guys are willing to do whatever it takes. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, see, he saw it through their actions, you see. Not just through their confession, but through their actions. I don't see where these guys ever made any confession, but uh, but they had action, didn't they? Bible says faith without corresponding actions dead. See, so these guys have live faith. If you want to see what live faith is, just look at these four guys that brought this paralytic to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> and Jesus saw their faith. See, and it's faith that taps the power of God. And he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes uh, that were sitting there and they reasoned in their hearts. And they said, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Now notice that we've got a man that's lying in front of Jesus that's paralyzed. Okay? Now, you know, if you were laying in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and you were paralyzed, you would want him to say, son, you're healed. That's what you'd want to hear, son, you're healed. But Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, which is a better deal, to get healing or to get your sins forgiven? I, I, I think it's getting sins forgiven, right? So, but wouldn't you expect, did Jesus say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Wouldn't you expect him to say that? But he didn't say that. He said, your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle is not healing miracles. The greatest miracle is getting your sins forgiven. That's the greatest thing. That's, that's, that's the most outstanding thing, is having your sins forgiven. The greatest miracle that there is, 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 is when a sinner repents of their sins and places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and they get born again and there's a change in their heart, you see. That's the greatest miracle. And, and so, uh, I, I've said this for years, if, if you have a choice between getting, getting uh, your sins forgiven or getting healed, take your sins being forgiven. But I got good news for you. God is an also God. You could have your sins forgiven and also be healed. Glory to God. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, and so, but but of course, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're all upset by this, by Jesus saying, you know, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus in verse nine said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you are to say arise, take up your bed and walk. Now, you think about that sometime, which is easier to say, well, it's it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Because when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, I mean, that's something that's intangible or untangible, however you want to say that. How do you know? How do you know? You know, if somebody came in here that was paralytic, you know, and they couldn't walk, they were paralyzed, which would be easier for me to say to them? Your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, it'd be much easier to say your sins are forgiven because how would anybody know? How could you tell? I mean, is that right? Yes or no? Is that right? Well, your sins are forgiven. Well, okay, that's wonderful. All right, that, that would be easier. Wouldn't it be harder to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Because that would be harder, wouldn't it? Because now everybody can see, everybody's looking, everybody's watching, and we're gonna know real quick if that guy that's in here gets up and walks, I mean, that's wonderful. But, but if he doesn't, you know, then where are you? Is that right? Then where are you? So don't you see it's easier to say your sins are forgiven? Because how do you know? I mean, how does anybody know? Whoop-de-doo. Huh? You understand that? And, and, and I say whoop-de-doo, not in disrespect. That's wonderful that his sins are forgiven. But how do you know? It's intangible. Right? But to say, take up your bed and walk, that's a whole nother shooting match now because everybody's going to know within, within moments whether or not the power of God hit the guy. And if the guy gets up and walks, I mean, that's harder to say. If, if you brought somebody in here that was blind as a bat and they stood up in front of me, 
Which is easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven or, you know, be healed and their eyes pop open. Well, it'd be easier to say your sins are forgiven. Is that right? Because if I say, you know, eyes be open now, you know, we got to check out and see if they can see. You understand that? And so here you have uh, where Jesus said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you or arise, take up your bed and walk. Well, we all know the answer to that. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. But then Jesus said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, now he says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Now watch this. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God. Glory to God. Now, you see, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? And this guy was miraculously and instantly healed. And not only do we know he was healed because the proof of the pudding is in the eating. You see the guy's healed. He's up walking and going on. He's healed, right? And what, does, what do we also know as a result of that? Not only do we know, we know for sure he was healed. But now we know also that when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, guess what? His sins really what? Were forgiven. Is that something? I mean, it, I mean, it, you know, rise, take up your bed. He said, which is easier to say? I love Jesus, don't you? I mean, he, he said your sins are forgiven, which is easier to say? All right, then he says that, the, that you may know, what, how did he say it? That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. That excites me. He said, he said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And the guy, the power of God hits the guy because it was the power of God that did it, right? You know that. But the power of God hits him. He gets up, he walks, and we rejoice over that. But let's don't ever forget something we ought to rejoice about even more is that what? What, what do we know? His sins were what? His sins were forgiven. Glory to God. And then, then they go on, it goes on to say here, we never saw. And then the people said, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. Luke's account brings it out and says, we have seen strange things today. Well, I think that's pretty strange. Don't you see a roof torn off a house? Seeing a man lowered down? Jesus saying your sins are forgiven. And then, and then to prove it, he says, take up your bed and walk. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty bizarre. I'd like to see that. How about you? I'd like to see that. How about you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about these four men that brought this, uh, this, 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 uh, uh, paralytic to, uh, to Jesus. I mean, they were on fire for the Lord, weren't they? Weren't they? I mean, they were going to do, as I've said before, I want to say it again, they were going to do whatever it took to get, to get this paralytic to the Lord. Again, were they on fire for the Lord? Absolutely. I remember back in 1979 when I took the blind girl, along with some friends of mine, took the blind girl down to Keel Auditorium to the healing evangelist. I already told you that story earlier, so I won't go through it again. But the point I want to make here is, is I, I, I was so aflame with, I mean, I, I shared Jesus with everybody I came in contact with. I put bumper stickers on my car with the gospel message. 
I, I, the only time my mother uh, ever got called to school by a teacher with a complaint on my behavior was, was she got called up there and, and they said, you're going to have to calm Terry down. He's preaching the gospel all throughout this school. You're going to have to calm him down. And particularly in this one math class, is a math, that math teacher called my mother in and said, you're going to have to calm him down. He, he's preaching the gospel everywhere in this school. And, uh, I mean, there's worse things to get called. You have your, there's worse things that your parents could be called to school on than that. Is that right? But, but that, I kind of, I kind of almost kind of am prideful over that now in a good way that, you know, I did get, I did get my parent called into school on me, but it was, it wasn't for, uh, it wasn't for dipping the girls, uh, hair in the, uh, in the ink, you know, how they used to do back in the fifties and now they're shooting people up, but it wasn't for anything of that. It was for preaching the gospel. That's a good thing to have your parent called in on. But the point I'm trying to make here is I was a flame with the I was a flame. I was I was I was I was a flame with faith and the power of God. I was a flame. I wanted to get my hands on the Lord any way I could. I wanted to get people to the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, telling everybody everywhere I went to, to the point my mother got called in. And, uh, and, and I did have to calm it down a little bit because you, you do understand that, like, like when I started teaching school, you know, they, they told me, they said, now you, we're gonna hire you, but we know you're a preacher, you can't preach the gospel to these students. And I said, well, I understand that. See, I had to learn. I mean, it used to be when I, when I was working there at the golf course many years ago, people would come up to pay a green fee, you know? And, uh, and, and they'd want to pay the green fee and, and, and get their cart and whatnot. And I'd ask them, do you know Jesus? You know, and I'd start preaching to them, you know. And, and, and I had to learn that, you know, when I'm working for a certain company, if they don't want me doing that, I have to abide by their rules. You know, you need to understand that. So, so I, I did have to watch. You understand what I'm saying? I, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and the, the golf pro came and said, you just can't be preaching the gospel, you know, to uh, the people that come up for green fees. Now, those people needed to hear it, most of them. I'll tell you what, you talk about some heathens, but, but most of them needed to hear it. Not all of them. But, uh, I, but, but I had to tone it down a little bit. And, uh, uh, and then I remember I was, there were three ladies that uh, uh, they, they, would, they would play bingo, bango, bongo, you know. On the golf course, you know, if you don't know what that is, you probably don't want to know. You could look it up. But it was a little game where they played for nickels, you know. And I, and I preached to them, you know, that they were going to hell for playing bingo, bango, bongo. You know, but, but of course, you're not going to go to hell for playing bingo, bango, bongo. I, 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 it's a little game where they played for nickels, you know. So I, so I had to understand, I had to grow up a little bit in the things of the Lord. The point I'm trying to make is I was aflame with preaching the gospel. I was aflame with getting the word of God through to people. I was aflame with, I took that girl down to the Keel Auditorium. I was, I was, I, I mean, I, I was like, I was like these four guys here. I was, I was gonna, do you understand that? Now why did I say that? Because this world will beat you down. This world will, will beat you down. And like when I started that story about teaching there at the school, the principal said, said, Mr. Scheel said, uh, now we're going to hire you, but you can't preach the gospel to the students. And I said, OK, well, that's fair enough. But I said, if they ask me why, why I'm, you know, they ask me about my faith, I'm going to tell them. 
And, and so he said, that's fair enough. And so a couple of them did ask me over the years and I shared the Lord with them. But think of it is the point I'm trying to bring out here now is if you're not careful, if you're not watchful, the world can start working on you and start beating you down. And, and, and then, you know, over time, the, the people will tell you, shh, don't, don't say it over here. Shh, don't tell the gospel over here. Now, now true, when we're on the job, if our boss doesn't want us to share the gospel, we need to honor that or else go get another job. Is that right? I mean, is that right? We could still be a good witness for the Lord. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that in time, you can get to the point where you can become so complacent that you're no longer going to do whatever it takes to get the blind girl to the healing evangelist. You're going to get to a point where you're no longer telling people about Jesus during the week. You're going to get to the point where you're no longer inviting people to church. You're going to get to the point where, you know, there's healing meeting going on at the church and you're not telling anybody about about it, you know, because you come become so complacent. And that's a sad place to get. And, 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 and there's been times in my life where, I, where, where things have beat me down to the point where I haven't been sharing the gospel as I should or telling people about the Lord as I should. Has that applied to anybody in this room? Has that applied to anybody on social media? You know, and so why do I share it? Hey, let's stir ourselves up. Let's stir ourselves up. Let's stir ourselves up. And if we haven't been doing it as we should, Let's get back to it. And what a better time to, to tell people about the Lord and the healing power of God than right in the middle of a pandemic. Is that right? I mean, you know, right in the middle. Of, I mean, this is a time to let our light shine before the light of the Lord Jesus on the inside of us. Let's let it shine before uh, before this world that needs salvation and they need hope. They need healing. Glory to God. You understand that? Now, let's go to Mark the fifth. Well, you know what? Uh, well, let's go to Mark the fifth chapter. I've got about five minutes. So let's, I think we can get this girl raised from the dead in five minutes. <laughs> Mark the fifth chapter, 21st verse. Are you glad the paralytic got healed? Are you glad he had those, those four friends? I'm sure he was glad. <laughs> I'm sure he was glad. Uh, it's interesting, uh, something you can think about. I'll just, I won't answer this for you. I'll just give you a little assignment to think about. Remember that story with the paralytic? Said Jesus saw their faith. Who, whose faith do you think he was talking about? The four guys or the paralytic? He says paralytic. How many thinks it was the four guys? Four guys? What do you think it's all five? Okay. Something to think about. Okay, here. Well, we know they had faith. Is that right? And the guy's dancing around. I don't know if he was dancing, but he, he was healed. He was walking around. That's wonderful. Now, let's go here. Mark the fifth chapter. 21st verse. This is, you've heard of Jairus, haven't you? And uh, Mark 5, 21, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. 
And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Okay, now you got that scene in your mind? Jairus comes, a ruler of the synagogue, you know, and his daughter's at the point of death, and, uh, and big multitudes there. And they and, and Jesus is going to go over to his house. Now, remember what happened? There was a lady that came in in the middle of this. And it's she's known as a woman with the what? The issue of blood. And we covered her a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to skip over verses 25 to 34 because we've already covered that. We covered that when we talked about the power of God a couple weeks ago. So so this woman with the issue of blood, she comes up and, and, and interrupts Jesus as he's headed over to uh, 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 Jairus's house. But now after the story with the woman with the issue of blood comes to a conclusion, notice verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now think about that. It's all over according to the news that came. Bad news. I don't like bad news, do you? I don't like hearing bad news. And now bad news has come and this is the worst news you can hear. Worst news you can hear, your child is dead. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, now notice what he said, do not be afraid, only believe. So that's what we need to do when bad news comes is not be afraid, only what? Only believe. And believing and having faith is the same thing. So don't be afraid, have faith. Don't be afraid, have faith. So whenever, and we all have to deal at times with bad news. So when bad news comes, here's what Jesus tells you to do. Don't be afraid, only believe or have faith. Have faith in God. And notice verse 37, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. And when he came to the house, so now there's this big multitude there. Remember with the woman with the issue of blood. But now they go on and Peter, James and John, Jesus and of course Jairus, they they head on over to the house where the daughter is dead. When he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, Watch this. Now they're at the house. He saw a tumult. You know what a tumult is, don't you? A big hoop-de-loo. You know what a hoop-de-loo is, don't you? A big commotion. A what? A big commotion. Big commotion. And those who wept and wailed loudly. So they were weeping, mourning, so on and so forth. And, uh, and he came in and said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? Now, what you need to realize if you study into this and for my study of it, these were not just family members over there mourning. Of course, I'm sure there must have been family members over there mourning. But uh, uh, Matthew's account brings out that they had flute players there. Why would you have flute players there? They had professional mourners over there. Professional mourners, weepers. And they... And they were, they had quite a, a tumult was going on at the house. And, uh, and, and Jesus shows up with Peter, James, and John, and of course Jairus. And, and Jesus says, why make this commotion and weep? 
And then he says this, he says, the child is not dead, but sleeping. The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, okay, the, the report came, the child is dead. Now, the child was dead. There's no question about that the child was dead in my mind. The child was dead. But you notice that Jesus is doing two things here when he says the child is not dead, but sleeping. First thing he's doing is he's minimizing the problem. He's minimizing it. Which is easier, to raise somebody from sleep or to raise somebody from the dead? Well, raise somebody from sleep. So that's what he's doing. In my opinion, he's minimizing it. But also, and more importantly, I believe what he's doing, you realize Jesus was a person of faith, right? And you see his faith talking right here, don't you? He's calling things that be not as though they were. Is that right? Absolutely. He's calling things that be not as though they were. He said, the child is not dead, but sleeping. Well, we know she's dead. I'm convinced of it that she was dead. So he's minimizing the situation. But more importantly, you see the confession of Jesus's faith. The child is not dead, but sleeping. He's calling things that be not as though they are. And notice what happened when you, let me tell you, when you start living by faith, when you start living by faith, when you start calling things that be not as though they, as though they were, and you start walking with God and living by faith, I tell you what, you're going to get criticized, you're going to get ridiculed, and you're going to get made fun of, I assure you. And sometimes you're even going to get ridiculed and made fun of by, by church members, by church people. You need to realize that. You need to realize that much of the church world, I'm talking about people that are born again, don't understand how to live by faith. They have just enough faith to be saved, miss hell, make heaven, but they don't really understand the principles of faith and how to live by faith. And I've learned this over the years. Most church members, sad to say, I'm talking not just, I'm not talking our church, but I'm talking about as I've studied churches, as I've been around churches for years and years and years and years and years, most folks don't have a spirit of faith about them, a can-do attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start talking like that, you start living like that, and I tell you what, you're going to get uh, criticized and you're going to get ridiculed. And notice what happened. Here, Jesus said the child's not dead, but only sleeping, and they ridiculed him. Notice this, and 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 the King James version brings out this new King James, but King James says they laughed him to scorn. Think about that, Jesus, the Lord Himself, being laughed to scorn. Think about that. Why are they laughing him to scorn? Because he's living by faith. He's walking by faith. And they ridiculed him. They laughed him to scorn. But notice what he, here's what you do to people when they start ridiculing you and, uh, and, and, and criticizing you and so, and so on and so forth. Here's what you do. Notice what Jesus did. But when he had put them all outside, you know, there's some people you're going to have to put out of your life. There's some people you're going to have to stop uh, running with and frequenting with. You understand that? People that don't want to live by faith, people that don't want to have a spirit of faith about them, people that are that are just all, you know, just just mully grubs all the time. I tell you what, you get around people that 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 are mully grub, they'll pull you down in the mully grubs with them. I tell you what, you get around people that have a spirit of faith about them, they'll pull you right up. 
They'll build your spirit, so to speak. You understand that? And so Jesus had to put these people outside. He put these professional mourners and these, these people he, that doubt. And I mean, this crowd was dripping with doubt and unbelief. And he put that doubt and unbelief out. Sometimes you have to do that. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And he took, now watch this, he took the child by the hand and said to her, uh, Talitha Kumni, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Well, I would have liked to have been there when he said that. I kind of think the whole house probably shook when he said that. This is just my personal opinion. I can't prove that. But I mean, I'm sure the atmosphere was. Well, we know the atmosphere must have been charged with the charged with the power of God. Little think about Jesus saying, little girl, I say to you, arise. Whew. Well, I mean, that gets the hair standing up on the back of my neck. Talitha Kumni. Wow. Think about that. What does that mean? Little girl, I say to you, arise. He made that command of faith. And immediately the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age. Isn't that wonderful? She was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. And he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. As we go along in other sessions, I'll talk to you why a lot of times he'd say, you know, be sure you don't tell anybody or no one know it. I'm not going to get into that today, but I'll cover that as we go. He's, he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. Amen. Raised her from the dead. Do you get anything out of this today? Amen. Raised her from the dead. We're going to look at next, uh, I think maybe next session where he raised uh where he raised that widow's son, they were taking him to bury him. They were taking him to bury him. Remember there in Nain, they were taking him to be buried. And, you know, Jesus interrupted the funeral and raised the young guy from the dead. I tell you what, Jesus would interrupt funerals a lot of times that way, you know, and just 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 raise him from the dead. Lazarus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? Well, let's all stand. Let's all stand. And uh, if you're out there on social media, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to repent of your sins. That means just have a change of heart. Turn from your old life. Turn to Jesus and invite him in into your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Just cry out to him, say, Jesus, say, Jesus, come into my life. And in a moment's time, he'll come in. You get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. And if you need healing in your body, I just want to encourage you to stay hooked in here. Stay hooked in with us as we uh, go on down the road here over these next several weeks. And let that same healing power that's here in this sanctuary, it'll flow right through the social media, right over the airwaves, right into where you are to effect a healing and a cure. Just listen as we go. Come to here. Let your faith be built. And then reach out and receive that healing power of God. How do you receive things in the spirit? By believing them. And just, 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 that's how you draw the power of God through your faith. Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive my healing power. I, t I receive your healing power into my life. I tell you, you do that, he'll heal you. And he'll bless you. He'll not only forgive your sins, but he'll heal you of sickness and disease. So we trust you're blessed today and we'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>